0: Welcome back to Amerisogyny. I'm your host, Hannah Blue. You're listening to episode 35. Today, it's all about Amerisogyny. The origin, the concept, the global impact it has on females around the world, girls and women. In 2022, I created the term Amerisogyny. I filed a trademark application, and yesterday, I won the rights to the name I created. Amerisogyny is a huge middle finger to the Supreme Court for striking down Roe versus Wade. It's the systematic oppression of female sexual, reproductive, maternal, and parental rights. The oppression of motherhood, access to safe prenatal care, denying access to birth control and abortion, and stopping mothers from parenting their children. This is a misogyny, and it goes far beyond the USA. A misogyny is so much more bigger than the rights of American women. Injustice inflicted on a woman's right to decide what goes on with her body happens all around the world. It's a huge issue, and I wanted a term that I could do huge things with. Today, we're going over Amerisogyny with a fine tooth comb in this country and abroad. If you've listened to me for a while, you know I've talked about Mexican women being sterilized under Trump's watch in 2020. Today, I'll go into more detail. Dawn Wooten was a black nurse in Georgia who said immigrant and customs enforcement officials which is also called ICE, at the Irwin County Detention Center, denied detainees their essential health care and sent women to a doctor who allegedly performed unnecessary mass hysterectomies. Keep in mind, these women were Mexican. Wooten told MSNBC, I had several detained women on numerous occasions that would come to me and say, Miss Wooten, I had a hysterectomy. Um, why? I had no answers as to why they had those procedures. Former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi called for an investigation into Wooten's claims and some of Congress called to get rid of ICE. Some politicians dubbed the incidents as Nazi Germany type cruelty happening in Trump's America. But here's why history is important. Nazi Germany followed California's trail on eugenics and sterilization. And I'll get to that in a minute. The truth, America has a long and racist history of forced sterilization and even more reproductive health crimes committed against black, brown, indigenous, poor, and incarcerated people. When Trump announced he'd run for president in 2015, He called Mexicans rapists and criminals. He was obsessed with building a wall to keep Mexican immigrants out of the U.S. It didn't work. It's history, but it's not as ancient as you'd think. In 2017, a Tennessee judge offered inmates reduced sentences and early releases if they voluntarily agreed to have vasectomies or birth control implants. That was coercion and reproductive oppression. From 1997 to 2010, California's taxpayers paid over $147,000 for forced sterilizations. Research time. This research study was published on January 22nd, 2020. The American Journal of Public Health The title is Reproductive Justice Disrupted Mass Incarceration as a Driver of Reproductive Oppression by Hayes, Suffren, and Perrette. One of the sources is a book called Jail Care, Finding the Safety Net for Women Behind Bars. Here's an excerpt. Kima, this isn't her real name, gave birth to baby Koa on a bright fall day. Kima was housed at the local jail, charged with shoplifting and violating probation, and could not afford her bail. Kima was allowed to bond with and breastfeed her baby in the postpartum room until 12 hours after birth, when a nurse abruptly moved the baby from Kima's arms and nervously explained that the baby had to go to the nursery. Child Protective Services had put a police hold on baby Koa, This meant Kima could only spend time with her baby there, one arm chained to a wheelchair, and a deputy lurking nearby. Because Kima's sister, who had agreed to care for the baby until Kima's release, had a Child Protective Services record. Although a supervisor later confirmed that the police hold was unnecessary, it was too late for Kima. She had already returned to jail. Now, while the Child Protective Services workers' actions were legal, they weren't ethical or just. The article goes on to state, We argue that the disproportionate hyperincarceration of black individuals and other historically marginalized groups violates the principles of reproductive justice, and that the entire phenomenon of mass incarceration must be understood through the lens of reproductive justice, to more fully grasp its ubiquitous reach into society. Take note of what I'm about to say next. In this light, it becomes clear that mass incarceration perpetuates the conditions that sustain reproductive inequities throughout U.S. society. To break this down, locking up black and brown people helps force sterilizations to this day. Keep in mind, some people who get locked up didn't commit a crime. Others should have been slapped with a fine, not jail. Now, I don't waste my time arguing with closed-minded folks. There are some people who believe jail is where black and brown people belong, period. I make no time for these people. I don't educate them. I don't reason with them. Here's a story from 2011. Kelly Williams Bowler from Akron, Ohio. My homestay is a black mother who was jailed nine days after being convicted of using her father's address, not hers, because she wanted her daughters to be in a better school district than their own. She lived in a high crime area and she wanted her daughters to receive a quality education. Now, what good parent wouldn't want that for their kids? How did she get caught? The school district hired a private investigator. She was investigated for what? Being a suspicious mother? Did they go around investigating mothers of non-color? Probably not. She was told she needed to pay $30,000 back in tuition. And when she refused, she was indicted on felony charges. Ms. Williams Bowler said at the time, I don't think they wanted money. They wanted me to be an example and I believe her. She was assigned three years of probation and required to complete 80 hours of community service. She said, it's overwhelming. I'm exhausted. I did this for them. So there it is. I did this for them. So why am I including this? She could have easily been sterilized, just like the other women. American officials have targeted and taken advantage of women of color for decades, whether they're in prison or not. America, the beautiful, it's called, is filled with people who want to be seen as good people in front of the entire world. They don't like the ugliness they perpetuated for centuries, called out. Remember I told you, they're trying like hell to suppress the history of people of color in this country. And here's a bit of it. The indigenous community has been dragged from pillar to post. Every tribe you can think of. In 1970, the Family Planning Services and Population Research Act was passed. People who had Medicaid or received health care through the Indian Health Service were targeted for sterilization. Keep in mind, the indigenous are the first Americans, they didn't come over here from anywhere. They were already here before anyone, and they have been used, abused, and slaughtered. This law allowed 25% of indigenous women to be sterilized without their knowledge, understanding, or consent. Some were pressured or coerced. From the 1930s to the 1970s, Puerto Rican women were also sterilized. In the times of African-American slavery, J. Marion Sims, the barbaric beast, called the father of modern gynecology. (laughs) That makes me sick. They had a statue of him in Central Park. It was removed, rightfully so. He conducted gynecological experiments on enslaved black women without anesthesia. This man tortured these women, brutalized them. And his justification was black people don't feel pain. So why is this bit of history relevant today? This disgusting bias still exists in the medical community to this day. Research says white medical students believe black people have thicker skin or less sensitive nerve endings than white people. How scary is that? America has used black, brown, immigrant, indigenous, poor, and incarcerated women as research animals to perfect vaginal exams, birth control, and other reproductive health care procedures before they are deemed safe for the wealthy and white people. This conversation is centuries old and it's been met with indifference, coldness, and dismissiveness. The attitudes the bias to this day. Let me give you an example of what I mean when I say attitudes and bias. I recently went to pick up my daughter's birthday cakes. Now, I'm going to put Lowe's Foods in Wake Forest on blast because I want people to know what kind of people work there. The guy in the bakery, the big white guy, yeah, you had this coming, didn't acknowledge me standing there waiting He walked his ass around the corner and asked me, what do you need? I said, I'm here for my daughter's birthday cakes. He put one of my daughter's cakes in a box that looked like it had been in the Civil War. I told him this box is unacceptable. Replace it, please. He replaced it and set it on the counter with a little thump. He looked at me and I looked at him. And with that look, I let him know exactly how I felt about him, too. But what really got me going, I passed some flowers before I reached the checkout. I saw the prices and thought nothing of it because I'm not really a flowers person. A black girl chose some and got in line. I got in the same line. Now, with Lowe's card machines, the cashier doesn't have to do anything except give you your receipt. The machines do all the work. There's no need to ask questions. A white girl was the cashier, and she looked at the black girl for a long time before she rang up her flowers. She looked at her again and said, Are you using Dabet or Cradat? The black girl and I looked at her at the same time. If you know, you know. And I said, What does that matter? The black girl told her what she was using. And pay for her flowers? There was no need for that question. She didn't have to push a button. Let me educate you on something. Here's why she asked that question. She saw a black female buying expensive flowers and couldn't wrap her head around this girl being able to afford them. So she wanted to know did she have the cash or did she need to put them on credit and pay them off later? Yeah, I've been black for many years. When you live the life of a black person, you pick up on microaggressions immediately. Here's another true story. My sister went to a school meeting about a trip the kids will take next year. A black father stood and asked if parents would be allowed to chaperone their kids on the trip. Good question. The white woman who was organizing the meeting told him, no. Because background checks would have to be given. So they just stick with the teachers. A white mother, who clearly wasn't paying attention, asked the same question a few minutes later. And the organizer, the same white woman, told her, no, we just stick to the teachers. She never mentioned performing background checks. The black father picked up on it right away and shook his head in disgust. So did my sister. So did I. This is what black and brown people experience every day. They can't even go to the store and be left alone. They can't volunteer to chaperone their kids without prejudgment. Imagine the toll these incidents, these microaggressions and judgments take on their mental health. But racists say, oh, why bring race into it? Why complain? I'm telling you, they're the poison of this country. It's better to just gloss over or pretend things don't happen so they don't have to deal with the guilt. When women of color get locked up, they may lose the right to decide what goes on with their bodies. That is a part of a marisogyny. How misogyny, oppression, racism, and injustice, affects people around the world and its catastrophic effects on mental health. That is a marisogyny. California had to pay the piper for what they did to Latinas. In 2021, California approved compensation of up to $25,000 for thousands of girls and women who were sterilized for decades by the government who called them unfit to reproduce. Official documents describe some of them as mentally weak due to sexual deviation. California approved $7.5 million in payments when their governor, Newsom, signed a $262.6 billion budget. California is the third state, after Virginia and my state, North Carolina, to pay the victims of eugenic laws. People with mental illnesses and physical disabilities were sterilized to, and I quote, improve the human race. How sick. The payments are an apology, and it's long overdue. But California has been doing that since 1909. The eugenics law was repealed in 1979, but not before more than 20,000 people were sterilized. According to the Sterilization and Social Justice Lab at the University of Michigan, 627 survivors remain. Both men and women were sterilized, but Latinas were the main targets in California. According to the Michigan Lab, from 1919 to 1952, women and girls were 14% more likely to be sterilized than men. Latinas were 59% more likely than non-Latinas. And Latino men were 23% more likely to be sterilized than non-Latinos. California's program was this country's largest, sterilizing a third of all Americans. It was so prominent, it inspired Nazi Germany to follow the eugenics movement. There's some history they don't want you to know, kids. America always wants this distorted lie, this image of perfection, when in truth, the atrocities it has committed against its people-inspired Hitler. The goal of eugenics was to end all state institutions, prisons, hospitals, nursing homes, and orphanages. The key idea, if you sterilize the parents, you get rid of the undesirables in society. According to a state audit in June 2014, California forced incarcerated women to be sterilized from 2005 to 2013. None of the women were informed of what would happen or given the choice of alternative methods. They'll have to pay them too. According to the audit of the 144 women who had a tubal legation, 65% were Black, Mexican, or from other minority groups. Two documentaries you should watch are, One, No More Babies. This covered more than 204 sterilizations from 1968 to 1974 at the Los Angeles USC Medical Center. Now, in 2018, the L.A. County Board of Supervisors apologized for the sterilizations, but the women aren't eligible for pay under the budget Governor Newsom signed. Activists say they hope to include them in the future. Isn't that something? The second documentary aired on PBS. It's called Belly of the Beast. In 2001, a 24-year-old woman was told she needed surgery to remove a cyst on her ovary, but she was given a hysterectomy. The doctors never told her what was done to her. Her attorney told her she wouldn't be able to have more children. Black, Latino, and Indigenous women have suffered all of these years. Their right to be mothers was stripped from them simply because they were locked up. Our next stop, Canada. The Canadian government says it's trying to end forced sterilization of Indigenous women. They say the practice is a human rights violation and a prosecutable offense. However, Canadian police refused to pursue a criminal investigation into a doctor who sterilized an indigenous woman. This happened in 2019. An indigenous woman had surgery to relieve her abdominal pain. But the OBGYN, Dr. Andrew Kataska, didn't have the woman's consent to sterilize her, but still did it even over the objections of the other medical personnel in the operating room. Dr. Mahotra of the First Nations Health Authority in British Columbia says, this is a pivotal case for Canada because it shows that forced sterilization is still happening. It's time that it be treated as a crime. Dr. Kotaska doesn't want to talk to media but he issued a public apology, acknowledging what he did. He said the sterilization caused suffering for my patient. He said he was acting in what he thought was the woman's best interest. How? By sterilizing her? And don't doctors take an oath to do no harm? Yeah, he should be charged and have his license revoked. Now, Canadian government says anyone who commits forced sterilization could be subject to assault charges and that police are responsible for deciding whether to proceed with criminal investigations. But the Royal Canadian Mounted Police said they would not be investigating Dr. Kataska because the woman hasn't filed a criminal complaint. I smell bullshit. Here's what the police say. Kataska's statement is very likely not to be admissible in a criminal court proceeding. How is an admission of guilt not admissible in court. (laughs) They go on to say the victim would need to let investigators see her confidential medical records, and they respect the rights of the victim to seek justice for this through other legal mechanisms and choose which processes she participates in. The woman's lawyer says she's unwilling to proceed with a criminal complaint and remains traumatized from having participated in a medical board investigation. Now, for those of you who are saying, well, if she refuses to press charges, what can be done? You have to understand there is a deep seated mistrust between the indigenous community of Canada and the police and the police have earned it. They're BS in this woman. And I'm not the only one who believes it. Lisa Kelly, who teaches criminal law at Queen's University in Ontario, says there is no requirement in Canada's legal system for a victim to participate if there is other compelling evidence. She says, in this case, there's another doctor and nurse and possibly others who could provide credible and reliable evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that the patient had not consented to the sterilization. While police and prosecutors have discretion, they do not have the discretion to simply turn a blind eye to what appears to be evidence of a serious Aggravated Assault. Senator Yvonne Boyer says, The long history of mistrust between indigenous people and the police made it difficult for many victims to pursue criminal prosecution. If a police officer becomes aware a crime has been committed, they have an obligation to investigate. Why would it be any different for an indigenous woman being sterilized without consent? That's a good question. The victim is suing Dr. Kataska and the hospital for 6 million Canadian dollars, that is 4.6 million in the US. They allege his actions were oppressive and malicious. Dr. Kataska got a slap on the wrist. His license was suspended for only 5 months, and he paid a part of the costs of the investigation and was required to take an ethics course after he was found guilty of misconduct. Dr. Kataska says he hopes to continue working with humility. That's pure bullshit. He should never be allowed to see any more patients. According to Emma Cunliffe, a law professor at the University of British Columbia, it's a very light suspension for forcibly sterilizing someone. It sends a very disturbing message that these violations of indigenous women are not viewed as serious. And that's the truth. She's a woman of color and police are showing they don't care what happened. Crimes committed against humanity includes women of color. They have every right to receive justice. The toll these atrocious acts take on their mental health. Imagine having a part of your body removed without your knowledge or consent. Our next stop, India. Let's talk about the Gandhi regime. India has a long and traumatic history of forced sterilization on men and women. Their excuse? They had a population problem. In 1975, then Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi declared an emergency. And the government, forced a massive sterilization program. Gandhi had foreign funding and encouragement from the World Bank. The eugenics movement was in full swing as 6.2 million Indian men were sterilized by force in a single year. Thousands died from botched operations. Gandhi's reign ended, but it stopped nothing. India carries out 37% of the world's sterilizations. In 2012, 4.6 million women were sterilized. Sterilization camps are held across the country, and it's promoted and offered as the only method of family planning. Healthcare workers are threatened with salary cuts and dismissals. As a result, some of the workers pressure women to be sterilized. Indian women continue to have no control over reproductive choices and their bodies. Millions of women have been stripped of the right to make choices about their bodies. Using COVID-19 as an excuse in 2020, 250 women were sterilized that year. Just to show how huge forced sterilization is around the globe, here's another research study. Forced sterilization of women as discrimination by P. Patel. It was published in 2017, and this is an excellent study. And I quote, there has been a long history of subjecting marginalized women to forced and coerced sterilization. In recent years, the practice has been documented in countries in North and South America, Europe, Asia, and Africa. It has targeted women who are ethnic and racial minorities women with disabilities, women living with HIV, and poor women. Courts have issued decisions on the recent forced sterilization of marginalized women, finding that such actions violate women's rights. However, they fail to address the women's claims of discrimination. The failure to acknowledge that forced sterilization is at its core a violation of the prohibition of discrimination undermines efforts to eradicate the practice. It further fails to recognize that coerced and forced sterilization fundamentally seeks to deny women deemed as unworthy the ability to procreate. In the USA, more than half of the 50 states passed laws permitting the sterilization of people diagnosed with a mental illness and disabled persons, criminals, persons with specific physical illnesses such as epilepsy, Native Americans, and African Americans. From the 1930s through the 1980s, Japan, Canada, Sweden, Australia, Norway, Finland, Estonia, Slovakia, Switzerland, and Iceland all enacted laws providing for the coerced or forced sterilization of mentally disabled persons, racial minorities, alcoholics, and people with specific illnesses. More recently, Forced and coerced sterilization against marginalized women has been documented in countries in North and South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, Chile, the Dominican Republic, Hungary, India, Kenya, Mexico, Namibia, Slovakia, South Africa, Switzerland, Uzbekistan, and Venezuela. The sneaky ways these women were tricked... The women's consent was obtained under duress. In these cases, women were asked to sign consent forms while in labor or on their way to the operating table. Remember what happened to women in this country in 2020 under Trump's watch. Lastly, the women's consent was not obtained. In these cases, the women were never asked if they wanted to be sterilized. Some were informed of sterilization and after they had C-sections. And some women didn't find out until they tried to get birth control and were informed they had already been sterilized. In the 90s, forced and coerced sterilizations were carried out in Peru as a part of a shady public health program. Now, women are fighting hard for their rights, but if courts don't enforce their right not to face discrimination, their efforts aren't respected. In Namibia, and the European Court of Human Rights. Courts found that the women's rights had been violated due to sterilization. However, with respect to the claim that the core sterilization violated their right to be free from discrimination, both jurisdictions found either that there was no violation or that it was not necessary to separately examine the discrimination claim. So what do we do, listeners? It seems as if the decks are stacked against women everywhere I've brought this to your attention and I do hope this episode has enlightened you and I'm out of time if you receive anything out of today's episode feel free to follow me on Podbean Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify Samsung or wherever you listen from be easy take care of yourselves have a good weekend and as always God